Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC, brought to you by The Athletic UK. I'm George Cooper and I'm delighted to be sitting in for Sammy on today's Thursday Club. I've got a jam-packed podcast lined up for you today, including analysis from the Peterborough game, a Cardiff preview, listener emails and of course everybody's favourite section, this will catch on. But first, let's focus on yesterday. Peterborough proved a harder nut to crack than many anticipated last night. The low block proved tough to break down in the early stages of the match. However, one man left with all the headlines. Alexander Mitrovic, our spiritual king, smashing Ivan Tony's championship goal-scoring record. He's now scored 33 goals with 14 games to go and he's averaging more than a goal a game. What a player. What a man. Peter actually had the honour of chatting to him last night, which we will come on to shortly. And on that note, I am joined by the Athletics Fulham correspondent, Peter Rutzler. How are you doing, sir? I'm very good, thank you, George. Yeah, doing okay. Good stuff. And of course, Jack Collins. You all good, mate? Yes, mate. Hello, listeners. Hello, George. Um, That was a good intro. Well done. Um, I was was impressed. (laughs) You um, gave it a bit more oomph than Sammy normally does. Uh, I'm impressed. Well done. Good stuff. You gave it the respect it deserves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, like, yes, I'm really glad you've gone for the the, the headline news first. That's the uh, the big one. Um, Very good. Well done. It's good to be on with you, mate. Oh, yeah, likewise. It's uh, it's an honour, you know. Uh, As you said, exceptional circumstances call for... You know, exceptional vigour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Jack, I believe you've got some three-word reviews lined up for us. I do, indeed. I would. I would, I'd love to. It would be, it'd be my honour. Um, I really liked Sam Branny's Bish Bash Posh. Um, that was good. Alistair Nino, uh, Nimmo with Veni Vidi Mitrovici, uh, which was excellent. <laughs> and the way it works, I really enjoyed the response to it as well from At Londinium Calling, saying, at the risk of sounding like the Roman guard in Life of Brian, is technically <laughs> Mitrovic it. Uh, <laughs> which really made me laugh. I was like, that's very good. Both the reference uh, and the fact that it got corrected on the Latin. Very first. Fulham. very full of um patrick brown mitro's tony award like bravo sir very very good very good with mitro's honor bender um there was a lot about about bender mark holiday bender plays blinder fpl fabio with alexander the great um as we said before uh, but also our favorite richard soul bamba we're staying up in relation to the fact that Fulham are now mathematically safe <laughs> from relegation <laughs> in the championship. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the big one. Very Fulhamish that, no matter how good circumstances are, this you've, is always, huge. you've always got... You've always the relegator to... is dead. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's only a question of actually flipping it now, mate. <laughs> exactly. I need a new title. 
Russell of the Relegator, love it. Uh, it's also, finished. what a lovely! This is our four hundredth episode, by the way. It kind of snuck up on us. Yeah, Sammy mentioned it the other day. By the way, Thursday is our four hundredth episode. So, wow. I mean, what better way to market than what an honor? This know, is great. Yeah, Peter's streaks. Peter's broken his relegation streak. That streak is snapped. Alexander Mitrovic is the greatest goal scorer in the history of the championship, um, and we're on to four hundred. What a day! Hey, what a day! What a day. Smiles all around. So, Pisa, I mean, as you expected with three red reviews, a lot were Mitrovic-based. You spoke to the big man last night. I bet he was beaming ear to ear. Truly in the presence of greatness is exactly how Mitro must have felt standing in front of the Athletics Fulham correspondent. <laughs> I joke, of course, what a legend. Peter's article is available on the Athletic UK. I'm talking about Mitro now, by the way. Uh, but his article is available on the Athletic UK. <laughs> it's a fantastic interview. He's very generous and open, especially about um, life under Silver and how you know he's, that Silver has improved his game. Peter, what was it like chatting to the big man post-record break? Yeah, a real privilege that... Um... And I know the, the expression is, you know, smiling from ear to ear or whatever, but he, he genuinely was, you know, he came out and he just kept smiling the whole way through. He's a smiley character anyway. Um, but uh, no, you could just see what it, what it sort of meant, meant to him. And um, no, he was understandably delighted. It was good because I was really good to talk to him because he, he didn't just sort of, you know, he did obviously say, you know, the important things of promotion and he couldn't do it without his teammates, but we did. There was a little bit of insight into how he sort of thinks as well in terms of his targets. Um, you know, it's not just score as many as you can. He sets sort of small five goal targets and goes from one to the next. So his current one is thirty five, and then after that, if he gets that, it'll be forty. Um, which is really interesting to see. And as you say, he talked about uh, how he feels fitter, the fittest he's ever been in in, in his life. Um, he talked about why that was the case, you know, some tweaks from from Silver and the, and, his, and the staff, and he said it was something that a lot of the players felt themselves. Um, he also talked about how his roles changed a little bit too. And, you know, we've talked about his assists and how he links up the play, and he talked about how he has more freedom, um, freedom to go where and find the spaces, to pull defenders around, and and actually that's that's you got an insight into sort of his, his striker's mind a little bit rather than just being that player in the box. It was about. How do I move this defense? Where can I find those spaces? And um, and yeah, no, it was a it was a real privilege, um, especially so late in the evening. You know, usually the, the players are really keen to to head off, but after you know breaking Ivan Tony's championship record, I think he was more than happy to to spare a few words. And um, no, it was a, it was a real honor to speak to the big man. And uh, yeah, he was in good good spirit. Good stuff. Did he? allude to any celebrations in the dressing room we know that he's a he's a fan of treating himself with some pizza partial to a pizza big, you'd say partial to a pizza he just probably crumbs around the corner of his mouth or was he was he more focused on the, the game uh, the match at hand on Saturday there was, there, there was no pizza I did ask him directly about celebrations though and whether there was anything like that but no he says he hopes he, he wants to go to sleep so um, recovery day today <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, simple and uh, getting things ready for, for Cardiff yeah so uh, no, I can't confirm or deny whether there was pizza um, but no didn't seem that way didn't seem that way well, I think he's, uh, pizza uh, no. is not evitable or inevitable uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jack we won three points happy days however it does seem that Fulham struggle to score against teams at the bottom I'm thinking Hull Peterborough away Derby draw although of course Derby are in a sort of bit of a false position as it were because of the point deduction uh, Reading at home uh, we have a lot of creative talent on the field last night Seri, Fabio but we do struggle to break down teams with a low block do you not think and why Why do you think this is maybe? 
Look, we we do we do. I actually think you're right in terms of it. But but last night I thought more than anything we were just we were denied by an incredible goalkeeper performance and uh, the fact that we we kind of were a wee bit wasteful with a couple of chances. And Peter tweeted it earlier on this morning. So our XG last night was second highest after the seven nil at Reading. So we've won what two sixes and a seven apart from that, and had a less uh, had less high of an XG than than what we did last night, where we only scored two. So. Yes, in isolation, in isolation, I would say this game wasn't that problem. But I actually do think as a whole, as a point, you're right. We we do struggle when teams don't come out and attack us. And over the course of the season, I think to begin with, to, at the very least, we saw teams really do try and see in it. But when Fulham get that early goal, as we did yesterday, well, early-ish, um, it kind of opens the game up a little more. And when Fulham can get it, it's when Fulham don't get the goal that we really start to struggle um, and we really start to sort of end up throwing kitchen sinks against balls and going two up top and it all not working. Um, Yesterday, I thought we played pretty well uh, across the course of it. Yes, we were a little bit turgid at times. We were a little bit slow at times. Um, but John Mikel Seri came back in. I thought we ran the show, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, from, from where I was kind of looking at it. And the whole kind of capacity of, of him to, to just pick those dinks after dinks after dinks and, and find player after player after player coming in into the box and in those positions. And look, I think we just didn't take our chances and also were denied by an excellent goalkeeping display. Um, I think most days of the week, Fulham get that comfortably done 3-4-0. Um, and I don't think we score. And, you know, even their goal comes from an unbelievable opportunity that's saved. It goes straight back up the other end and we concede. Now, it's obviously not great to, to get not get a clean sheet. And considering the way that the game went, 2-1 seems a lot closer than the actual, you know, match would suggest but yeah I, I do think we've just got to be careful about seeing games out because we made it unnecessarily difficult for ourselves we did it at Millwall away earlier this season we did it last night where then the last three four minutes get really nervy you start getting these lumped balls into the box and and ultimately we, we've made it more difficult than it needed to be but the right outcome happened last night even if the result didn't quite match that yeah, I think I would agree with that and you mentioned Seri there he had a brilliant game plucking balls over the top, left, right and centre. Peter, you mentioned in your um, during game analysis on Twitter that you felt like you know, the game really suited him. He had a lot of space in order to unpick those sort of um, you know areas. Do you feel like he had uh, a great game upon return to the squad? Yeah, it was an ideal game for him, really. Because um, as Jack was saying, you know, they, Peterborough did sit and that first half was very much line of four, line of five. And then, you know, Clark Harris trying to make himself a nuisance as well. And they they sat very deep. Um, I think Silver said afterwards it was almost like they were inside the box. And to be honest, they were a little bit. And I think where Fulham were probably at fault in that first half was just not moving the ball quick enough, just not moving it quick enough to to open up those gaps that we know they can do. Um, still got the goal mind and, and, and sort of set them on their way, really. And you can understand Peterborough setting up that way, you know, caretaker uh, manager in charge and... Um, struggling in the league, probably fearing the worst, and it could have been a lot worse in the end, really. But um, I think for Seri, it was a unique game because because they sat so deep, you ended up with Seri about 30 to 40 yards out from goal, often without much pressure. Um, not an easy game because he's got to try and find pockets. He's got to find the right movement. And I don't think there was enough of that. Um, but it was really an evening. And I mean, if Mitrovic hadn't scored, I think I probably would have focused on this in my piece because it was just an evening of admiring what Seri can do with the ball at his feet. 
um, left to right, over the top, in behind. And we saw that second half with those chances he created. One for one for Harry Wilson, as Jack mentioned, and there was the one for Mitrovic as well. Where it's, he's, he's done it before this season. Where you just you can just drop it over a defence that doesn't even have that much space behind it. I mean, it's really difficult. It's proper pitching eye wedge, stuff. isn't it? It is. It is. It's <laughs> absolutely that. Um, so a, a good game for him to come back into, I think. Um, I think he, obviously in the second half he was more effective. I think it was a game of sort of four parts. Um, you had the first half where it was a bit slow. That period after half time where Peterborough inexplicably came back into it. Um, you could see Silver raging on the touchline on the far side, like absolutely furious with the way the team weren't pushing and pressing. But then they did step up, got the second goal, a couple of changes, and then it was just chance after chance after chance. And as Jack said, should have finished it and ended up with that nervy ending. Probably could have been cut out, couldn't it, with, with Tosin. Maybe could have just taken out Morton, I think was the one breaking. Um, but yeah, overall, you can't can't complain. I think in that second half, we saw Seri properly dictating things. And Carvalho, to be fair, I think Carvalho really did step up in that second half. He had a little bit of pace, didn't he? I thought that was the, the kind of interesting thing when, when he gets on the ball. He does add that, that surge, that ability to actually drive up the pitch. We've talked about his ability to carry the ball, you know, lots on here across the course of the year. But when things get a little bit sticky, when they get a little bit turgid, the fact that Fabio can sort of wiggle into some space and drive really does like one get the crowd going because it's it's something that you can kind of latch onto but also it gets everyone further up the pitch it, it starts things happening it gets defenders backpedaling and we've seen teams do it to Fulham this year notably that Sheffield United goal obviously just before yeah, Christmas yeah. in the one they lost if you can get defenders backpedaling you tend to have them on the right foot unless they are the best in the world you had kind of tend to have them where you want them um, and, and Fabio Carvalho has an innate knack of getting defenders going backwards and it's really impressive and really important for someone so young do you know who else yeah. did that as well? Neko Williams did that quite a bit in the second half. I think there was that fantastic run where he where he drove from deep, uh, went into the box and then went down. I don't think it was a foul. I only saw one replay of it, but he did that a couple of times as well. He can do that as well. When you have those options, which they didn't really do, I think, in the first half enough, because if, if you are on a low block, you've got to commit someone. But, you know, fair play to Peterborough to an extent, but, you know, different mm-hmm. scoreline if the keeper's not, not on his day. Yeah, I mean, just on the Fabio Carvalho point, that sort of mazy runs that he does and leads midfielders and defenders with all, in all sorts of bother. That turn that he did, he literally takes three Peterborough players completely out of the game with one neat little Cruyff turn before. I mean, th- let's talk about the second goal, Mitro's second. What a team goal that was. Jack, surely one of the best that we've seen at the Cottage for some time. Yeah, it, it, look, it's it's lots of different things at once, right? One, it's a really, really kind of end-to-end move, which contains a lot of players. Um, but also, apart from that, it, it's on the break and there's still like quite a lot of control. And it's that thing, right? Getting defenders going backwards. Um, it, it's all of those things that we just talked about, put into intuition and a lovely, lovely finish as well. So, you know, you look at it and going, right, a really, really impressive manoeuvre, a really good goal. Again, it makes things nervy it makes things awkward um but ultimately once you can come out of it and look at it kind of differently and be like okay game's done it's over um, you can look at it and be like a very very good goal absolutely such a delicate finish from Mitra as well he sort of pranced into it like a little ballerina doing a, oh, it was it was just beautiful I was uh I just thought it was it was a poetry emotion watching that go in Peter you spoke to Marco Silva also after the match um, I believe he expressed some disappointment in the fact that we seemingly let Peter back in the match as you just uh, alluded to his, his touchline antics he highlighted the first 10 minutes after half time in particular he's not one to get complacent he's somewhat of a perfectionist both traits that you want in a manager could you sense his frustration last night or was he overall fairly pleased with the performance and the result would you say no I think he was pretty contented I think as Jack was saying, you know, there's, there was a lot of positives to take from the game overall. I mean, 
I think there was also a sort of an element of understanding that when you're playing a team that are literally just setting up a camp in their penalty area and saying, right, you've got to find a way through us. It's not always going to be easy and it, you can be lulled into that sort of false sense of security that you can play it slow. I mean, there were there were moments where where, where Tosin or Tim Ream or, or Seri or, or the fullbacks just wouldn't have anyone pressing them. Um, and when you don't have that pressure, you're, you're not forced to up your tempo. Um, and I, I you know, I think there was maybe a sense of, of understanding of how that could happen and a little bit of frustration that, that it did. And I, yeah, there was annoyance, certainly, at that last goal. I mean, it's, it was entirely preventable. I mean, obviously, if Wilson scores, <laughs> it's a different story. But, um, you know, you'd, they probably, you'd want to cut that out of source. You don't want to allow a team to counterattack like that in that position in the game when you've committed so many bodies forward, which I think, as, as Jack was saying, is something that Fulham have to be careful of. I know they were 2-0 up. I know they're trying to kill the game properly, but it's it's one of those where you you, you, you take it you take the timing of the of the game you, you take the moment of the game and you just weigh up the risk a little bit because Peterborough had shown that they could hit on the break that they could provide that sort of threat. But no, I think in terms of his uh, demeanor, he was fine, pretty pretty contented. Uh, certainly compared to, to Huddersfield, where he was very frustrated with the the officiating. Uh, nothing on the officials today. Um, so yeah, all good. Good stuff. It, it, it was one of those though, you know, Peterborough now 23rd in the league, only one point above Rockbottom Barnsley. After Duncan Ferguson's departure, obviously they're going through a bit of a transition period at the moment. Um, I think it's, it's worth noting that Jack Marriott's goal was superbly taken. He absolutely smashed that into the top bin. It's a gorgeous finish. <laughs> yeah, like, really. I remember a couple of years back when Jack Marriott was on the market being really desperate for Fulham to, to sign him. I think he went, at that point, he went to Derby County from Peterborough. Um, he didn't really get huge amounts of a look in. Um, he was quite important in that, that run to the playoff final under Frank Lampard, I think, for Derby County, and then didn't start the final. Um, and I think it's something that Derby fans have always held against Lampard. He didn't start Marriott, who'd been so good in the run in the final. Um, but yeah, he, he's a good player, Jack Marriott. I don't think you'd want him in this Fulham squad now. I don't think he's probably the level that Fulham are you know, trying to get to. But definitely in that period in the, in the championship where Fulham were trying to get out of the division for the first time, um, it felt like he would, it would have been a really good signing. And who knows? Who knows? But yeah, one that we, we liked for a while. Mm. It was one of those that the moment it came off his boot, you know, that was going in. He just struck oh, yeah. it so sweetly. And um, yeah, very, I mean, he really sort of turned Ream and Tosin inside out. And we, we've spoken about it on the, uh, I think there was an email in the last podcast, someone mentioning the uh, expressing concerns about Tosin and Ream over committing. And I, I guess Tosin had the opportunity to, you know, nip that counter in the bud. Ream was backpedaling as we've, we've just been talking. Fabio is able to sort of inscape on, on the opposition. Peter, I just wondered where you stand on the issue. Do you think it's a, it's a problem that we're seeing creeping a little bit more? Tosin and Ream maybe over committing, stepping out of the back line, which creates space or do you think it's not really uh, too too much to worry about at the minute? I suppose it's a balanced thing. It's definitely a consequence of the way Fulham play. You know, Fulham want to play the way they do. They want to play with proactive central defenders. They want to play with fullbacks who play very, very high. You're going to leave those spaces and you're going to leave your centre-halves exposed. Now, we know that Ream's not the quickest. Tosin is a lot quicker and is able to cover that ground. But if you take Tosin out of the game and you leave Ream, Ream exposed, you've got you may have an issue. If one of them steps up, then you're going to have an issue one on one. And it, it, I mean, is it a problem at the moment this season? No, I think they're both very good at what they do. I think they're very important to the way the team plays. Um, and I think in the Championship, it's it, it's not so much of an issue. But if you were to take it and translate it to the Premier League, where you're more likely to come up in, and face those scenarios, 
um, then maybe we're talking about a different story. But again, I don't know how overexposed Fulham will be at that level and, 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 and to what extent Fulham will play as forward thinking and as committed as, as they do right now. So I wouldn't say it's a major issue. I do think it's a, just a product of the way Fulham play. You know, if you're going to commit players, you're going to leave spaces and you're going to have to trust your defenders one-on-one. And, um, and I think overall they have the quality to deal with it on balance. And I think results of seasons tend to reflect that. So, you know, I mean, I, I, as we say, it's not an issue if Fulham take their chances in that second half in the way that we've seen them do already this season. So we don't get into that sort of scenario. Um, so major concern, no, but definitely something to, to watch. For, yeah, I would say. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on if we, if slash when we do eventually go up. Uh, Jack, to get back on a positive note, you are a lover of fun in football. I am. And <laughs> you often talk about it. Even if the end product doesn't end in, you know, a goal or winning a game, just those little moments of flair and, you know, you know, entertainment that you see throughout games that... I wanted to talk about the build-up to the penalty, a moment of magic coming from one of the most unlikely sources. Harrison Reed with a quite frankly rude little flick over the top to find Mitro. It mm. wouldn't have looked, don't you remind me of when I saw it, is it, you know when you're playing in, uh, when you're at school and you're playing headers and volleys at lunchtime yeah. and just all sorts of tricks are going on, you know, left, right and centre. That's what it reminded It looked like he just hit and hope. He didn't know where it was going, but it found Mitro perfectly. Also, coming from Harrison Reed seemed to make it even more special. Uh, I was just wondering, is that up there with, you know, the, those moments of fun? Have you got any more that you can think of off the top of your head that you, you would put that up there if there was a sort of like top gear leader table style of just fun little moments at Fulham? Are there any other that spring to mind that you've noted down? The top one's obviously got to be Dennis's back thing against Newcastle, hasn't it? Like that, was, yeah. uh, that was an iconic, an iconic fun moment in football. That's probably top of the leaderboard in my memory at the very least. <laughs> Simon Davis's goal was obviously we obviously came back yesterday um, and was on the in the Peterborough dugout. But his goal against Hamburg is an unbelievable bit of skill. Um, to, mm. You know, to look, take knock it over the defender twice before hammering home. That little bit of kind of ingenuity. Um, I mean, just this season, right? Niskins at Millwall, who basically put Marlon Romeo in hospital with concussion. The <laughs> amount of times he span him round, he was like he was on the dizzy. He was like on the dizzy teacups at Legoland. Um, it was. It felt like that, and also that little trick he did against West Brom where he oh, cut yeah. between oh, two yeah. defenders with with a nutmeg. That was pretty special. But I used to remember, one of the things is, I have this real, I've said this before on the pod, but I have this real recollection of when Gail Kakuta came to Fulham on loan. And I just yes. remember him being absolutely outrageous. I remember him just doing this kind of thing, like constantly, like trying to go around people, trying to do sort of like Ronaldinho flicks around people. He obviously wasn't actually that good. Um, but he... He used to beat players for fun. Like he just didn't have any end product. Turns out he's club captain at Lons now, and Lons are like third in, third in the league. So he's having a good season. He's having a good time. And, and he's finally found somewhere where he's really loved and appreciated. But I do remember Kakuta coming into Fulham and being like, this is the guy. Like I love this. And I remember watching him and being like, this is what football should be about. Yeah, he was one of those uh, football manager wonder kids, wasn't he? I remember being so excited when he came. Did Chelsea get banned from from transfers for signing Gail Kakuta when he was like 14? Yeah, it was some dodgy agent deals, I remember. But yeah, I remember being incredibly excited. A few ones of note that I'd like to chuck into the pile. Uh, Berbatov's touch, where he just plucked out the sky, which Niskin Skabano coincidentally almost replicated last night with an amazing... I can't remember who he um, pulled out of the sky from. I think it was a long ball from Ream or something. It's just 
it's right in front of me in the punt ends. Watching the highlights, it was just absolutely incredible. That touch, um, that touch from Berbatov was better because John Arnarita fell over when he was kicking it, when he was playing <laughs> the ball across. Risa slips, which is why the ball is nowhere near Berbatov and he has to move for it. Um, but yeah, absolutely ridiculous. The amount of times I've tried to recreate that, just oh, yeah. when, oh, I'm, yeah. when I'm having a kick about in the park, I've never ever been able to do it. The Berber uh, was volley bright... against Stoke, similar up there. Like it was just so out of the blue. I know it goes in and therefore it's a goal, so it's a bit not just like actual fun. But I remember him hitting that and being like, don't be silly. And then it going in mm. and be like, oh, cool. <laughs> okay. okay, sweet. Um, yeah, that was Berber was Berber was fun when he wanted to be fun. Yeah, yeah, he could turn it on, couldn't he? Uh, anyway, let's move on to some individual performances before we uh, move on to the next section. So I I just wanted to shout out, obviously we spoke about Seri having a great game, Nico Williams once again with a, with a sublime performance, but I actually thought, just wanted to say, I thought Robinson was brilliant yesterday. I thought he re- didn't put a foot wrong all game, was solid defensively and going forward. And um, he's come under a l- little bit of scrutiny um, over recent times on, you know, Twitter and you know even on the pod on occasion, but I just I just thought I'd uh, I'd mention that I thought he had a good game. Would you Would you agree, Peter? Yeah, I, I mean, he didn't have too much to do defensively. Um, I think going forward, he was fine. I think it needed it was a game where you would need to deliver a lot of crosses. I thought his crosses were good. Um, I think the one that sort of went awry a little bit was the one that Reed then flicked into the air for for Mitrovic to win a penalty. So. Um, no, I think he's. I think he's fine. I think he has been up and down, and I think you know there has been that inconsistency and uh, and that frustration. You can see it. I, I, I can. See, you can see maybe if it affects him a little bit. It's yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those. We we know what his qualities are. Um, I think someone asked in in one of the athletics discussion pages about about him and 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 Brian and and I was trying to. I was thinking it through the last time I, I asked Silver about Brian in particular and. One of the things he did mention, you know, obviously with the usual things apply that Joey's been a great professional and he's been working hard and, and whatever else. But he did also say that he feels that Robinson has a different profile to Brian. Um, and I think and I think that's what's edging him for him, edging him in the team at the moment. And I wonder if it's based more on the fact that he does have that capacity to really break forward, to carry the ball, as we were actually talking about earlier in the podcast, which he can do quite often to relieve pressure, to cause problems to go beyond their opposition fullback. I think he can just do that more effectively. Um, and that's probably why he's seen and getting more game time at the moment. Um, but yeah, no, I thought, but going back to your point, I've gone on a nice little tangent there, but uh, no, yeah, I thought we had a good game. Yeah, I guess that's what we get you in here for, Peter, those tangents there, they're, they're golden. And I mean, as I said the other day, what a privileged position to be in to have so many, you know, uh, talented fullbacks at our disposal. So, right, let's move on to the next section. And um, yeah, we're going to have a little Cardiff preview and of course, all your favourites from Thursday Club coming right up. Welcome back. It's the Thursday Club. I'm George Cooper and I'm joined by Peter Rutzler and Jack Collins. Yeah, before we move on to Cardiff, I just wanted to mention, obviously, a Fulham legend returned to the cottage last night. Simon Davies was in the dugout for Peterborough. And what I could hear from the part in the end, uh, he received a very warm reception. I mean, what a player, um, Jack, you spoke about earlier, but his, his first goal against Hamburg in that semi-final, I think, was technically speaking, one of the, the best goals I've ever seen at Fulham. And I hope to see more him coach more and more um, over the coming years. But whenever I see an old, even though... Fulham haven't had the best luck with former players returning and coming in to manage us. I, whenever I see a former player of, of that sort of ilk 
pop up I think oh I wonder if wonder if he could uh, have a stint one day and I, I always wish them the best and uh, yeah on that note another Fulham legend from the same era Damien Duff has become his managerial career at Shelbourne and um, there's a great article on the athletic it's not by Peter do you know who Michael Walker so yeah I, I wish him all the best and he seems to be doing fairly well I just want to do a uh, well he, he's lost his first competitive game um which is which is a problem um but it, <laughs> it seems look this is going to be it's going to be a really tricky season for shells right they got promoted last season i think won the league in the back end of october um so we've only had one game in the new league of ireland season which they lost but shells are going to lose a lot of games this year he is literally on a a job to keep them in the division so uh, it's gonna be really interesting to keep an eye of it and uh, and see how it does but there was some uh, some really brilliant stuff about it and he was saying that when he was coaching youngers football and um, he got in a bit of trouble at one point for having the kids doing 6 30 starts so they could train five times a week and the parents <laughs> going this is mad and him going well if you want to make it this is all you gotta do um so it was all quite entertaining um but yeah i'll be keeping an eye on how david duff does uh, across the course of this season um yeah. we hope he keeps shells up yeah all the best to duffer yeah i mean that is it was always a consummate professional i remember back in the day listening to an interview around christmas time with bobby zamora who was uh sort of calling duffer out for having like poached salmon and and steamed broccoli as his christmas dinner he's like the man just never stops he's not even letting himself have a have a christmas but yeah i feel he's got everything it takes to make it in management and uh, all the best to him right moving on to cardiff so Cardiff, they're currently sitting 19th in the league. Had a 2-1 loss to Huddersfield last night. And they've won just one of their last 11 league matches against Fulham. It's slightly skewed because it's drawing five and losing five. So, you know, it's not been a complete whitewash. And that victory came as a 4-2 home win in October 2018. Now, it might be famous last words, but you'd expect Fulham to line up fairly similarly to how they did last night and secure a routine victory, surely, Peter, do you think? I don't think it was a physically taxing game last night. Um, so that may in itself play. I mean, that's easy to say, isn't it? I didn't play in that game. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, watching from um, the yeah, press box. It didn't like they worked that hard. Um, <laughs> no, um, but in the grand scheme of things, in terms of the intensity of the game, I, I, I think, yeah, I, I, in terms of whether Silver would want to make some, some changes or, or, or to rotate anything. I don't think there's anything that immediately stands out. Obviously, TC missed out last night through illness. Um, so whether whether he comes back into the fold, I do think maybe Nathaniel Chalaber's spell in the team is maybe passed. Maybe that was his opportunity. I don't think he was that bad. Uh, I think in the first couple of games, Millwall Holly looked quite good. I think in the first half against Huddersfield, he was all right. But then in the second half, they needed that creativity. So you do wonder with that competition, whether he'll be able to sort of make it back into the team and in that sense. Um, he definitely offers something different and, you know, we've, we've praised him on here in the last, last couple of weeks, but, um, with the way that Reed played and obviously with Seri coming back in and, and, and knitting things together, you, you think that they would keep their, their spot and, and Carvalho seems untouchable at the moment. So, um, I suppose that's a tricky one. Obviously the other one is whether, you know, Harry Wilson comes back into the team, um, playing against his, uh, his former club he played on uh, you can't online. play Harry Wilson against his former clubs he never turns up <laughs> he, <laughs> hates, he hates playing against his former clubs he always has bad games Marco was uh, laying the groundwork then for this one um, but yeah that, that would be the, the tricky question you know obviously Cabano's come back in did very well and you need you need him against teams that sit deep and Cardiff tend to do that then they're not a high pressing team they're more direct than most sides in the division so 
it's not going to be a similar game to Peterborough. I don't think that at all, especially with a difficult away game like it is, but it will be a physical game. And I imagine having someone of, of Cabano's technical ability would, would be, would be good. Um, but it's, yeah, I'd rather have Ryder Marker made that decision than me, but um, after the win, we know what he's like. He's a, uh, he tends to tends not to rotate when things are going pretty well uh, on the field. So, um, but yeah, midfield is is the focus. But I'm not sure if that event changes. Got you, got you. I mean, I'm going to contradict myself here to make a point. Like, sound like some sort of Westminster politician, but it's a weird one because like on every on paper you think this is going to be a routine victory for Fulham. However, we've not done the double over Cardiff since the '95 '96 season when both sides are in the fourth tier. And Cardiff have gained 10 points in the last four championship home games, which is more than their previous 13 home games. So they've hit a bit of home form. Is this a reason for worry, Jack? Do you think this could be a potential banana skin or are you um, sort of echoing Peter's point and think that think that it should, you know, much of the same and, and we should should get three points? Look, we should get three points against almost anyone in this division. So that's, you know, to be said uh, as one thing. Look, they'll be, you'd hope, a little bit disheartened after their their result yesterday. Um, they were winning away at Huddersfield until the 88th minute and they lost 2-1. Um, Corum scored in the 88th and John Russell scored in the 96th. That's pretty brutal um, in terms of morale. So you'd hope that that's hurt them. Um, it's a good side though now. I think, you know, obviously we've seen a couple of players come in in January, in particular Tommy Doyle, who's come in from uh, Manchester City. I've seen he's scored a few. He's created a, uh, he's created a few as well. He's a good player, Tommy Doyle. Um, they are going to play in a five. You'd imagine it's going to be a 5-3-2. Jordan Hugill's going to end up there on his magical mystery tour of every championship club in the entire world. Um, so. You know there are players here who who can cause Fulham problems, have caused problems in the in the past. Um, Alex Smithy's in goal, so we know that if we get penalty, we're missing it. Um, <laughs> Cody Dram is there, who obviously left our academy to go to Leeds. Um, he, he's out at Cardiff now, so on loan. So that's a bit of a strange one as well. It's a funny old character by all accounts. Um, and and yeah, look, they're 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 a better side than what their league position suggests, I think. Um, but. Does that mean Fulham shouldn't be getting three points here? No. Uh, I mean, I think we should be able to go anywhere and uh, and be looking to beat sides. Um, they're obviously a big side. They're a physical side. Steve Morrison's their manager. He's very much building them or, or continuing in his own image um, or in the image that they were created in. Um, so I, I think you've got to look at it and think, how do you get through this team? And I think you, you have to beat them on the deck. You don't want to mix it up and end up playing their game over in Cardiff. Um, for me, Fulham should have enough, but we should have had enough to beat Huddersfield at home last weekend. You know, we should have had enough to win by more than one last night. It's a question of how Fulham turn up and how things work for you. So, yes, I think we should win this game, but ultimately it will be a tough, tough test and it get tougher if we allow them to play their game. Mm. You know, they say that dogs look like their owners. Do you think <laughs> that the same rings true for football teams start to play like... They just start to play like their managers. Yeah, no, maybe, (laughs) maybe eventually it's a thing. I always thought this and then until I found out that like Nuno was a goalkeeper and I was like, how does a goalkeeper play football? Um, And I was like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to play football at all. I haven't to do this in any way. Um, So we'll see. We will see. So I don't know, sort of a functional right back, wasn't he in his playing days? Mark Silver? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. 
as opposed to a dysfunctional right back. Well, yeah, we've seen a few yeah. of them down at the cottage our time as well, mate. <laughs> <laughs> too right, too right. Peter, is anyone in particular in the Cardiff lineup that you think there is to be wary of? Uh, they, of course, lost Kiefer Moore to Bournemouth in January. Their top scorer, equal with Kiefer Moore, is actually Adam Flint, who's a centre-back, I believe. So I would suggest maybe they're reliant on set pieces and getting their big lumps um, going forward but other than those that Jack mentioned is there anyone that you think's um, worth a watch yeah no I, I agree with Jack I think Tommy Doyle's the, the main one to look out for he's, he's had a big impact since he's come in I quite like Ruben Colwyn when he played at the cottage but he hasn't really been involved for Cardiff so I'm not really sure what's happened there but I mean the reverse fixture he was he was very good quite effective in those wide areas but um, as, as you said George I mean without Kiefer Moore they are a different team now I mean they, they everything sort of went through him and um Obviously, he's injured now at Bournemouth, isn't he? So he's just, no, that's not really going to help Bournemouth in their promotion hunt at all. And it's just sort of more hindered Cardiff. But um, yeah, no, I, I think in terms of quality, you're looking at you're looking at Tommy Doyle and um, those are the ones to look out for. Really, they're probably going to set up in that five as Jack was outlining, and they'll they'll try and make things difficult. And, and, and like many teams have done, try and hit Fulham in turnovers and, and play with that too. You know, it's what Carlos Corbran said when uh, about the Huddersfield game afterwards. He said, you know, the only way that we were going to sort of hurt. Fulham was by having two when the ball turns over up the up the field and and it worked with Lewis O'Brien it was it was very clever really and Danny Ward looked a good player as well so I think maybe we'll see something similar with with Hugel and Davis um, for for Cardiff good stuff hope we can nullify those threats and um, come away with three points say who's our one to watch uh, so Mitrovic scored five and six league starts against Cardiff scored in the last three games. Jack, I'm assuming we're expecting him to add to his tally on, on Saturday. Shock as Alexander Mitrovic, championship all-time top scorer, is a uh, is player to George, watch. Or George Cooper topping the league. George Cooper with shocking admission in Fulhamish podcast special. George Cooper's one to watch. You heard it here first. Keep an eye on that lad. Yeah, I reckon he might anyway. score. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, good stuff. On that note, let's call it a day for the. The Cardiff preview. Um, yeah, I wish all those making the trip down to uh, sunny Cardiff all the best. And yeah, I hope you have a good day and become away with three points. We'll be right back with some of your correspondence and everyone's favourite feature. This will catch on. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. I am joined by Jack Collins. How are you doing, Sam? Yeah, good. Excited for this. Can't wait. More songs. <laughs> Gassed up. And Peter Ratsley, you all good? Yeah, all good, all good. Very excited good. for this section. As always, I'll take my spectator seat. You've got the best room in the house. So. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, we're going to start with a bit of correspondence. Uh, this is following our last podcast in which we uh, chewed the fat over the Huddersfield game. And in particular, one moment uh, caught headlines, which was the, was it a penalty? Was it a pen- Was it not a penalty? And uh, this from Andrew Stanley, just possibly one of the most direct emails we've ever uh, received subjects just simply penalty and then uh, the body of the email was at least it shows Mr Monk is clueless <laughs> so uh, yeah Mr Monk obviously Farrell thought it wasn't a penalty um, because of the rules of the game state that if it's foul and the boys yada 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 uh, nobody agreed with him and uh, yeah Mr. Mr Andrew Stanley just sort of rectifying that point uh, just just quickly lads because uh, we spoke about it at length but Yes or no, penalty, Peter? No, soft penalty. Jack? It's a soft penalty. Um, look, I don't think it's the weirdest thing in the world if you give that penalty, but if you no. give it, you have to give three the other way for fouls of similar or higher you know, ilk. Um, so, so no, in the context of what the game was, absolutely not. Yeah, see okay. why it was given. Uh, you can, because Rodak's yeah. come out to the ball 
and it looks like Thomas gets there first, but you can you see it. You see Thomas has played for the penalty. Yeah. So it's not it's not a it, foul. It's a contact, and contact shouldn't be enough for a penalty. But it's a soft one. So if you you yeah. can give soft penalties, but if you're giving soft penalties, you have to give soft penalties. You, all you want is consistency, right? And consistency was just not applied. There were three, I think, two definites, one potential um, incidents where Fulham would be due penalties if that was the baseline for what a penalty is given and none of them were given. So therefore, none of them are penalties. I thought the toast and handball was more concrete. And when, mm. when Mitchell got poleaxed in the box. I still haven't <laughs> seen a replay of that, so I can't, I can't comment. Yeah. <laughs> He's literally you're like, okay, cool. He's just like, absolutely hit him in the face. Cool, wicked, <laughs> no problems. Mitchell gets nothing, it's fine. Apart from records, he gets records and goals. Did get penalty right, today, right. Uh, last night. Did you get penalty? Yeah, very, very smart penalty to that, on that note. Right, next email is from 30F. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure what the name is. It's just 30F. Um, could be could be alluding to anything. I'll let you uh, ponder that one. Um, I was listening to the podcast following the victory over Hull and nodding along to the idea of Fulham eventually clinching the championship title versus Bournemouth. It's a, a scintillating prospect. Just seeing the look on Parker's face as we celebrated would be dot, dot, dot. And he says, and then it hit me. If we were to clinch something against the Wing Commanders team, he'd be on the field post-game congratulating and embracing the Fulham players. Maybe not Mitrovic, who might take a swing at him. Why is that so bad? I hear you ask. Because Parker would be able to make it look like he was the one taking credit for the success of his former charges. He's very good at that kind of thing. Uh, Acting expansive and selfless whilst performatively putting himself in the middle of everything. Parker is too smart to look peeved while Fulham wins, even if that is exactly what he'd be feeling inside. The oppression would be of Parker, the genius, proud of what he was able to teach the Fulham team on their journey to greatness. As always, Wing Commander would make it all about him. What? Where's this we Wing want? Commander? This- <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I thought this as well. I'm assuming because he's got some sort of like World War II RAF pilot kind oh, of I see. haircut yeah, okay, and look about him. But that's the only connection that yeah, I can make. Yeah, that makes maybe, sense. Maybe 30... Maybe 30F could, uh, could, could wade in. They've been thinking about it a lot, haven't they? I know, yeah. it seems really, to be really, really, yeah, really be bothering them. What we want or predict doesn't make things come true, but I'd rather have us win it against somebody who is still complaining to the refs as our team celebrates with the fans, not that smirking John Hughes villain acting like he knew. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he knew what... It, like we knew we had it in us all along. Sorry, I butchered that, but yeah, that's the sentiment. Now, I will reiterate, it's pretty difficult for us to seal the title there because of some rearranged matches, because, um, you know, uh, Bournemouth had postponements during the storm. And if Huddersfield gets to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, they then play Forest, then Bournemouth will have to play 11 games in 36 days after the international break. So they've got a tight fixture list coming up and it might not weigh in uh, that, you know, those, those particular sequence of events come into fruition. But just getting back to the email... Jack, which way do you think Parker would go if we were to seal promotion at, or the title even, at Bournemouth? Do you think that he'd uh, have a have a little sulk or do you think he'd do as 30F is predicting? Probably a bit of both. Um, I don't think he'd quite go the lengths that 30F is suggesting here. Um, I don't think we'd see, be seeing hugs on the pitch for all the lads and you know rounds of applause thrown out left and centre. Um, but I do think he would probably take it quite graciously. I think for all of um, 
Full of Scott Parker's thoughts. He seems to be a relatively gracious bloke. Um, I think he would probably, you know, congratulate them and move on. I, I think he's too aware of what it would look like to the Bournemouth fans if he really like went for that kind of thing. I think that's the the kind of pit that's being forgotten here. Is that that if you were if yeah. this was your manager, if it was Marcus Silva and the other team were I don't know, Watford. Um, and we were watching them and, and they won promotion at the cottage and Marco Silva was giving them all like massive hugs and whatever, especially if we were chasing them. The fans would be livid. You'd be like, what's mm. this? What are you doing? Um, and I think that Parker's too smart to think, to realise that, to not realise that the Bournemouth fans would be pretty upset if he started giving out massive you know, oh, I did this energy to the Fulham team because they'd be like, hang on, if you did this, why didn't you win the league with us? Because that would be my reaction to it. So that would that's the only thing I would say. I think he's probably too smart to his own fan base to be thinking too hard about what he looks like for us. Although I do take quite a lot of the sentiment in that, the, the graciousness and the, oh, they're a really brilliant team. And there would definitely be the, I set the foundations in place in the post-match interviews. I think all of that would happen, but I don't mm. think it would be done on the pitch. Yeah, fair enough. Also, I think 30F is uh, sort of painted Parker to be this sort of Svengali Machiavellian sort of John Hughes villain <laughs> is, is absolutely exceptional. I, I really enjoyed myself. I don't think it's true, but I really enjoyed it nonetheless. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Jack. There'd be a combination of both and no doubt there'd be something said that would uh, leave a bitter taste in, in Fulham, Fulham's, Fulham fans' mouths. But yeah, anyway, we move on. This is all hypothetical, of course. Uh, but I, I would absolutely love to see a seal at Bournemouth. I think it would be, you know, one, it's a weekend one on the history, coast. But... It's a weekend on the coast as well, isn't it? If you win promotion, oh, absolutely glorious. Of course, of course. Right, moving on now to everyone's favourite time of the week. This is, this will catch on. I'm so excited to be in the, uh, pushing the buttons for this one, as it were. So we've got some fantastic entries coming in, uh, including one shocking one from me, but we'll uh, we'll see what you guys think. <laughs> so this first one, this is an, uh, lyrics only, and this is from JK on Telegram. I'm assuming it's not JK. It's not Jack Kelly, no. Yeah, no, not not Jack Kelly. I was thinking J.K. the frontman of Jamiroquai, or, Jamiroquai. or the radio yeah. <laughs> or the radio DJ J.K. who was a big thing for a little while. Do you remember him? Yeah, absolutely. Could be any of those people. But this is uh, come through from the Telegram. Oh, if you want to join the Telegram, by the way, listeners, it's so much fun, and all the details are on the community section of the website. But this is to rhythm is a dancer. Okay, everyone knows familiar with the tune. Yeah, I yeah, don't have to yeah. don't have to hum it out. So no um, no music for this one. I'm just going to have to do this one myself. So it's. Go on, mate. <laughs> right, suck myself up. Rhythm is a dancer, Nico is the answer, finding Micho in the air. Lift your voice and clap as Silver has the answers, follow Fulham everywhere. Whoa. What are we thinking, lads? Nico Williams. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, add, add an extra section. Well, are you in? We used to use it for Rui Font, right? Or we used to, we, there was a song for Rui Font. It never really caught on um, because Rhythm is a Dancer is quite a wordy one. But that was Rhythm is a Dancer. Rui Font's the answer. He can score from everywhere. Came to us from Braga up top with Kamara, even scores them in the air. Well, Rui Font. Um, so mm. so it, it's, it's, it's been done but um, yeah it works for me I think I, I'm not sure still what the new Nico Williams chant was from the other week but um, I, I think it's a contender it's the kind of thing that could catch on yeah you mentioned that in last week's this will catch on and then I was like come on then let's hear it I, and I've still, still hear heard it, yeah. it. Yeah. I'm sure we're here at Cardiff I think it's good I think it's a great basis of the chant um, you know rhythm is a dancer it works well it's good fun I think it could catch on could catch on could catch well, on yeah 
Yeah. I'm going to give that one a, a solid, solid seven and a half. Yeah, that's what I was going to go with. Not too original, but um, but definitely has the potential to actually be a song. Yeah, got you, got you. Right, moving on now to Ben Mogridge. Uh, this is a good one, lads. Strap in. So his email says, Hi, chaps. Massive fan of the pod. Looking forward to listening to the post-match chat on Thursday Club on my journeys to and from work. Thanks for all the work you do. Pleasure's ours. My cousin had come up with this chant the day before Hull and was determined to get it going. Weirdly, it didn't catch on. (laughs) (laughs) It's not not looking good. (laughs) I I thought it deserved to be absolutely slated. It's the tune of Top of the World by the Carpenters. Great. Cheers, lads. (laughs) Ben. Right, are we ready for this one? Let's have it. Let's have it. So we are top of the league and we're... Looking down on a Bournemouth and the only explanation I can find. <laughs> Since Silver's been round, it's a form that we found and that's why we are top of the league. <laughs> so we are top of the league and we're looking down on a Bournemouth and the only explanation <laughs> I can find. Since Silver's been around, it's a form that we found, and that's why we sit top of the league. I quite like it. <laughs> um, I quite like it. Needs work. No, I don't think. I, apart think... From, the only problem is that, like, top of the league at the end. But apart from that, we're. I'm. I'm pretty pleased with that. I like that a lot. It's fun, isn't it? I, there's um. Alex Turner, when the Arctic Monkeys were writing AM, they cited Eminem as a massive influence in the way that on some of their songs, they fit slightly too many syllables into seemingly too short uh, a verse. And when he does the, look down on the Bournemouth, that's what it reminded me of. I feel like it would be massively simplified. It was just, look down on Bournemouth, but it somehow makes it better that they sneak in that little extra, look down on the Bournemouth. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I like it a lot. I'm a fan. That's getting, that's getting an eight from me. That's excellent. Also, that's that's original. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never had, heard a film song to that. That's good. No, it's a good one for me. I like it. I'm not giving that any slate. And that's that's a that's a decent effort. That um, it's a speculative twenty five yarder, but it's from someone who can. <laughs> but it's from someone who can shoot. It's not your centre back. <laughs> like. Yeah, beautiful analogy. Peter, what are your thoughts? Oh, it's very pleasant. I'm not sure I've heard a, a chant to Top of the World by the Carpenters, so that's quite pleasant. I quite enjoyed that. It's quite nice. I'm not sure that's what we're looking for to catch on, but yeah. Yeah, maybe we uh, need to take a leaf out of the Spaniards book. You, you sometimes see, you know, the likes of Atletico Madrid, there'll be somebody within the vociferous end of the home support with perhaps like an, an acoustic guitar or a drum. I can imagine someone in the Hammersmith end with, with a little guitar sort of strumming away. Should we get a, what do you call it, get a ukulele into the Hammersmith end? That's, that's, <laughs> what, we, that's what we really need. I think ukuleles are the instrument of the devil. That I would, I would rather, I'd rather support another club than see a ukulele at the at the end in the Hammersmith end. But acoustic guitar, maybe. It's just, it'd be very hard to sneak that past the stewards. I'd imagine you can maybe get a ukulele in. I don't think you're going to be getting an acoustic guitar. But look, mate, if you can get it in, all yours. Yeah, we don't even not, don't even allow tops on drinks, let alone an yeah, acoustic that's guitar. What I was but, thinking. but we'll see, we'll see. Right, moving on. This is from Matthew, and this is a chant for Nathaniel Shalaber or Natty Chabs, as he's Stop become, it. <laughs> as he's become to known on the podcast. All right, chaps, thanks for the great content. We're listening, been listening right from the start. Haven't been able to get to games this season due to having a second child. Priorities 
Matthew. I feel like I'm hugely missing out, but the pod really helps me feel connected. If Shalaba 2 is this the way to Amarillo hasn't been done before, then I think this is a winner. Strap in, ladies and gents. Recording is attached, but if you can't get it to work, lyrics are below, and I'm sure you do a better job of singing and bringing the music at uh, than I could. Keep up the good work. Okay, so are you ready for this one? This is Natty Shalaba 2 Amarillo. Is this the way to Marco's first team? I want to play in front of Tim Ream. Dreaming dreams of championship glory. Like Kev McDonald playing centre mid before me. Shalaba, shalaba, la la. Shalaba, shalaba, la la. Shalaba, la la, la la, la la. Like, can you rewind it and play play that bit about playing midfield? Like that that, that line went on for about four minutes. <laughs> like Kev, the lyrics are like Kev McDonald playing centre mid before me. That's way too long. It's about, <laughs> about double the amount of syllables in the line. I'll play it again. Is this the way to Marco's first team? I want to play in front of Tim Ream. Very good Dreaming to that point. dreams of championship glory. Like Kev McDonald playing centre mid before me. Shalaba, shalaba, la la. Shalaba, shalaba, la la. Shalaba, la la, la la. It just falls apart. Oh dear, yeah. It's like the first first sixty percent of it, you know, right on board, and then. I just yeah, had an image a... of Chalaba like almost as if he was playing with Silver to get into the team and then he just starts singing his name at the end. The syllables of that end bit are very much all muddled up. It's like Chalaba, la, ba, ba, la, la. I love how it's written in first person. It's a, it's a very good point, Peter. Not many chants are sung like that, are they? That's absolutely incredible. That is, that line, like, <laughs> dreaming dreams of championship glory, like Kevin McDonald playing centre mid before me. Uh, I just... <laughs> Unbelievable. Very good. Well, that's very exceptional. Good. Very, very good. What are you giving out of 10, Jack? Oh, my, absolutely. It's never catching on in a million years. It's, well, it's made me laugh more than most. It's probably up there in the top three of songs that have made me laugh, up with um, that Rasputin song um, and last week's, you know, famous Rihanna entry. Yeah. So, yeah, for that reason alone, it's going right up there. It's, just, it's probably an eight and a half, maybe a nine. Good stuff, very good, good stuff. Right, uh, hats off to you, Matthew. That was that was quality. Right, um, I've got an entry now, actually, oh, gents. I've been I've been thinking. Of, I know I've been thinking about um, recording it for some time and sending it in as an entry. But now now I'm in. You know, I'm pressing. Yeah, you've buttons. got the option. I, thought, yeah. I might as well. I might as well do do a live. Rendition also, you're then. you're editing it, so if this doesn't go to plan, you can just take it. Out. You can control the reaction. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I might I might put in some sort of like canned applause or something afterwards. You know? <laughs> Orchestrate some kind of deep fake response. Yeah. Where, yeah. yeah. Start chopping up. It's like chopped and screwed. Me, but that was a really good performance. <laughs> <laughs> From George Cooper. Yeah. Like they do with like sort of Trump yeah, speeches. It's like cassette, yeah. bo- cassette boy times full of it. <laughs> yeah, we'll take um, yeah. Anyway, so it's for Harrison Reed, because I, I don't think he's got um he's got enough chance. And it's to Just a Friend by Biz Markey. You familiar with the 
The tune? No. <laughs> you recognise it. You recognise it. You've got a friend. Like, you've got a friend in me. No, just a friend. Oh, baby, you, you got what I need. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Just yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, so um, I've got a beat and then I'm just going to spit some bars over the top. Whether it's any good or not, I don't know. I'll leave that to you, for you to decide. Cool. Right, are you ready? Let's have it. Okay, I just got to start myself up. So this is the back. Back in. I think simplicity is key with these things. Oh, baby, we've got Harrison Reed. Dispossessed you once again. Take us back into the prem. Oh, baby, we've got Harrison Reed. Dispossessed you once again. Take us back into the prem. Yeah, very good. There we go. Wow, I really wasn't expecting that amount of vigor. I'll be honest. <laughs> Real intensity. Real, you really went for it. Um, you, can't, you can't go hard. Also, up, it's going to be really amusing when you listen to that back because just because obviously the speaker is playing through the microphone really slightly behind you, it just feels like you're like half a beat out. Um, <laughs> oh, I may have to edit that. But, um, it was it was very good. That also, it's. I mean, no one's going to have that kind of vocal range. I mean, we can barely <laughs> we can barely get a scream out at the back most of the time. Um, but I, I think it has real potential. That George, it, like it, it's it? a relatively simple tune, as you say. Um, yeah, it's nice, and it's got two fun lines in it. Yeah, good, good stuff. That's a nice. that's a potential winner. Like that might it's- actually catch on. It probably not going to catch it on. Let's face it, but I'm I'm glad I glad I got it out there. But, I wrote um, one this yeah. week to Latchmere by the Maccabees, which gets double points because it's by a Fulham fan in Felix yeah, White. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> which the last line is Latchmere's got a wave machine, to which ends with Micho. He's a goal machine, um, but it's very repetitive, and uh, the backing track doesn't really exist. So we'll uh, we'll <laughs> have a think about trying to actually get it get it over to us. But it's a bit long for like one really payoff line that isn't actually that good because <laughs> Micho, he's a goal machine is not actually that funny um but you know yeah i i think it's it's fun it's fun to get these things out there mate i think the, yours has a more uh, as a higher chance of catching on than my version of latchmere i'll be honest well i'm, I'm dying to hear it jack maybe maybe, maybe we can hit the, stu- hit, hit the studio maybe in we a, can in get involved yeah yeah we'll get Fe- we'll record it and then ask if felix white wants to come and play guitar on it and then we can really oh, get, yeah. yeah really get things up yeah, I do agree. Extra points if you can uh, crowbar a Fulham fan song into it. So you've got, you've <laughs> got, you've got, can't wait for someone's example. version of Kickstarts next week. The <laughs> <laughs> change the way you kiss me. We've got example. We've got the Maccabees. We could do change the way yeah. you change the way you've missed me um, for Ivan Cavallero. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nice, very good. Uh, Lily Allen, does she still count? Because she's um, no, she went, she went across the other side, didn't she? Mm, yeah, no, less, less about that the better. But yeah, extra points if you can if you can include Fulham fans' music into it. I mean, I'm not sure if there's any Slyjinx ones that you could. Uh, I was going to think. We'll work it out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, right, saving the best till last. This is from Jimmy Hall, and this is quite special, lads. After chatting with Sammy at Hull and waiting for one of my This Will Catch Ons to be played on this week's pod, I've received the message loud and clear. The deafening silence can only mean one thing. You want me to sing them. He's alluding to the fact he sends in a lot of lyrics, this lad, but doesn't always like to, uh, he's like the sort of Bernie Tarpon of uh, of This Will Catch On. <laughs> um, Reference. I would <laughs> take the embarrassment on the chin as these masterpieces need to be played to the masses. This is at the FFC fan, Jimmy, if you want to uh, 
if you want to if you want to tweet him uh, with feedback. So, are you ready? This is to live in the Vida Loca. <laughs> are we ready? <laughs> Fulham's in first position, London's originals. I feel a premonition, Mitro's gonna score a goal. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> We're heading for promotion, Parker's in a playoff fight. Marco's our new magician, winning games left and right. We'll make a defence, wish they'd never came to play the game. Cause once you come play Fulham, then you won't forget the name. As we score a goal again. Knee skins, Kibar, always living that vida silva. Fabio Carvalho, always living that vida silva. Mitro scores a goal and he's drinking a Coca-Cola <laughs> We've got Louis Bow and he's living that Vida Silva Winning the league with Silva We're all living that Vida Silva This is a 10, it's a straight 10 No discussion This is unbelievable That's unreal Oh, there's a lot of lyrics. That's very good work, that. It's quality. It's absolutely quality. That's think... so good. Like, it think... works. Like, there's no there's no crowbar. Well, there's a little bit of crowbarring at the end, but there's not really any crowbarring. I mean, I'm not sure about Mitro drinking Coke, but apart from that, <laughs> the rest of it, yeah, that's the... the rest of it is like genuinely pretty spot on. That chorus yeah. might go. Yeah, the chorus is... Uh, my one suggestion would be... He, he saves the line, we're winning the league with silver, until he uses it once at the very end. That should be the, instead of living a Vida Silva, it should be, we're winning the league with silver. Yeah. From start to finish, do you Yeah, think? refrain that. It's really I, I think it's, it's absolutely quality. I mean, hats off. That is, yeah, I said I was saving the best to last. And that's I was not that's exceptional. It's that's the kind really of good. to, to Jimmy when, Hall. when Mitrovic Take a had some Coca-Cola after the Serbian. Oh. Oh yeah, my he came out when his in his undies. I was I was wondering if it was a reference. Did he have a coke on him when he was eating that pizza? Of the t- was there a coke in the picture? Oh, I no, think there no, might have been. Must have been one so there, it might have been yeah. a double whammy. Um, it's really good. That's excellent. That should catch on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top hats off to you, Jimmy. Well that done, was, Jimmy. That was, that was sensational. Right on that bombshell. That's um, concludes this week's podcast thank you for everyone who's joined in we've had a we had a reet laugh uh one thing left to do and that is to name the pods jack would you do the honor sir what are we going for oh um I'm, I'm a bit torn to be honest i did like we're staying up i think that's really funny um but maybe not maybe not the one for today um i'm torn between two i really like patrick brown's Mitro's tony award i think that's really clever um but i also really really like alistair nimo's veni vidi mitrovici um that to be fair is more general maybe we can use that one again i'm gonna go with Mitro's tony award that's um very clever very, very well good patrick also it I'm, I'm, I'm a bit swayed because patrick's 
was so good that we got a message from James Wilson where he just quote tweeted it and be like, here's the credit and this is why you should pick it because it's the best one. I was like, all right, you've got su- you've got support in the DMs. That's respect. Yeah, um, so, yeah, exactly. So we'll give it we'll give it Patrick Brown, uh, Mitro's Tony Award. Very good. Yeah, it had to be Mitro orientated, didn't it? Let's face it. After. The records. Thank you so much uh, for yeah everyone listening. Four hundredth episode, cause for celebration. Um, yeah, so nice one. I hope you enjoyed this pod, Peter. Thank you very much for your superb analysis as always. No, thank you for having me. An amazing work, guys. I'm getting to four hundred. It's top stuff. Thanks, man. And Jack Collins, I'll see you very soon. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Brilliant hosting, George. Um, if this is the first time you ever listened to Filmish, there's 399 for them to get, for you to catch up on. So uh, <laughs> yeah. that was, they're, they're not all this fun, I promise. Uh, the first one, the first ones are incredibly depressing. In fact, uh, we just kept losing. But uh, alas, here we are. And um, thank you as ever for listening. Good stuff. All those taking the trip to Cardiff on Saturday, have a great day. And uh, yeah, let's bring home three points. You whites. Living the Vida Silva. <laughs> We're winning the league with Silva. <laughs>